support for this podcast comes from Staffing Future. Nowadays, your recruitment website needs to do more than just validate your business. Websites are your digital front door, where new clients and great talent should come knocking. So do you want your recruitment website to stand out from the crowd, generate new business leads and placement revenue? If that's a yes, then talk to Staffing Future, the recruitment website and technology experts. Get a free website and technology stack review and competitor analysis today. Just visit staffingfuture.com slash rules. What great ideas are so close within your grasp? Seeing other points of view, anticipating change, considering multiple possible turnouts, acknowledging uncertainty, searching for compromise. We're going to talk about how to get over those limiters of innovation so that you can extract better thinking from yourself and your team. So let's talk about how to win the future. Welcome to the Marketing Rules Podcast from Thinking Circles. With me, your host, James Whitelock. Welcome back. The past year has been challenging for most industries, but more so for the education sector. From homeschooling to lack of laptops, it's been difficult for everyone involved. Joining me this week to discuss the challenges and the future of recruitment in the education sector is Romilly Wakeling, MD of Vision Teaching. Romilly lets us into her journey into recruitment, her passion for education, and how she future-proofed vision teaching. Welcome back, everybody, to the Marketing Rules Podcast. And today I am joined by Romilly from Vision Teaching. Uh, good afternoon, Romilly. It's a pleasure to have you on board. Hi. Um, so today we're going to have a little, a, a little bit of kind of know, get to know you a bit better about your kind of background, because uh, after a couple of conversations we've had recently, it's quite an interesting background, and it's not all recruitment focused, um, but it is very interesting and, and and close to my heart. With we'll, we'll get onto that, and but we'll, we'll have a little bit of talk about kind of. Um, vision teaching and uh, the education market uh, and kind of the things that you're kind of noticing in that market because I'm sure there's people out there who listen to this so are kind of kind of really interested in that. and that's obviously uh, something that kind of affects a lot of our lives at the minute with regards to kind of teaching education so for those of us who haven't met you before maybe you could give us a little kind of potted history about kind of how you know your kind of journey into recruitment um, and all the little bits along the way, especially picking up on something that I know, that I know you've done, that I want to talk about a little bit more. But go on, yeah, just give us this kind of journey, how you get to where you are today. So I'm going to kind of keep it brief. Um, basically, I trained in marketing. So I went to university, did a marketing degree, became a little bit disillusioned with marketing because it was a little bit slow pace. I obviously hadn't found my proper niche in marketing. So one day I walked into a branch of Select. That was an old recruitment company years and years ago. I know, I used to work for them. Yeah, super enthusiastic girl came up to me. And about five minutes, she said to me, have you ever considered recruitment? So by the end of the journey, I actually had a job with them. I had an interview lined up. I I got the job there. Um, And this girl is Terry. She's still one of my very close friends now. And actually, Terry is the reason that kind of brought us together Hmm. because she brought us into Appsco. So I would actually give a big shout out to Terry because she actually convinced me to go into recruitment because I don't think anyone ever goes, do you know what? I really want to be in recruitment. Everyone's got a story about how they just suddenly got into recruitment. And that was mine, really. And Terry and I bonded over our love of Formula One um, because at the time we were based in Woking, McLaren was there. And we kind of like talked about our love of F1. 
Um, and in the end, we had McLaren on as a client and British American tobacco as well. So we quickly kind of established our love of, of racing, of recruitment as well. Um, and then we had a client that came on board called eTeach. They were a new kind of recruiter looking to do things very, very differently in the education market. I got involved in the recruitment of staff for them. And at the end of that, they said, would you like to come and work for us? Mm. So I was just like, yeah, absolutely. So I left Select and went and worked for eTeach. And eTeach was by far the most fun job I've ever had in my whole entire life. It's like recruitment that helps you hone your skills. But you just I just work with the best kind of people. And I'm still in touch with them today. And we we had the most amazing journey of setting up this company, doing things that had never been done before in the market they were way way ahead of their time in terms of their digital footprint how they were using the web instead of print how they were obviously taking the fight to the TES and they're still very very relevant in the market today but I I absolutely loved working at eTeach and the knowledge that I grew from that from education because Paul House that was the CEO had been a teacher and had formed the first ever education recruitment agency so I could see his journey and I could see his vision for the future and that's one of the things that really inspired me he wanted to change the way that education was done for the better and that's something that stayed with me for a long time. Thanks again for listening to the podcast. If you'd like to know how Thinking Circles can help your recruitment marketing, then visit www.thinkincircles.com. So was it an, an interest in, in education and teaching, or was it an interest in the fact that eTeach had a slightly different ethos and philosophy on how they recruited that, was, that attracted you over? Definitely the latter. So they wanted to change the way that schools did things in a faster way. They wanted to digitalize that really slow recruitment process that could sometimes take months and months. And they'd actually gone and sold their services to a lot of councils. So we actually work with like, for instance, West Sussex, Surrey. We actually worked on a wide scale and we could actually fasten up their recruitment processes and provide teachers safer and quicker than they could as well. But then on the digital side, once once teachers started using the web to find jobs rather than print in the TES, then you could see that the whole new kind of generation of teachers that were happy to go on the web and find a job were using it. So we were suddenly doing something that had never really been done in the market before. And that became quite exciting. And the ideas were new and they were fresh. And they were trying to change quite a stale recruitment market that had always been traditionally done in education. And that's what really kind of appealed to me. eTeach was something very, very different. It hadn't been done before. And I don't think anyone still got close to to doing what they do. Um, And so how did you go from eTeach to vision teaching? So I worked for a company called Protocol, who were also in the education sector as well. Um, I worked there for eight and a half years um, and kind of worked my way up from the bottom towards the top as well. Had some amazing experience at Protocol. You know, it was great to be working with a company that are UK based, got so many branches, so many people everywhere. 
Um, and that gave me the ability to get involved in every part of the business. So strategy, training, uh, the legal side in terms of AWR, the people management, the setting of targets, the managing of targets. And it gave me a, a really wide ranging kind of role within the company. Um, and I really wanted to kind of go to a smaller company um, and try and do it again, you know, with my ideas and trying to, again, lead the market forward and do something very different. So Daniel and Craig um, heard of me and Daniel was trying to trying to get me to come and work for Vision or tell me his vision for quite a long time. Um, and I agreed to have a sit down meeting with him and Craig, who are the owners of Vision. And I just absolutely loved what they had to say. Um, they weren't the biggest company going, but their heart was in the right place. And they'd always tried to do things the right well, but hadn't been able to scale up as much as they wanted to do. So they gave me their kind of vision. Um, and at the time, we were in a very small office in Holborn. Uh, we didn't really have any good branding. We didn't really have that much market share. And it was about taking it to the next level, which I was really, really excited about because it's the challenge that, you know, everyone dreams of. Can you do it with loads of resources? You can. Can you do it with hardly any resources? You still can. And, and that was what was really exciting, you know, going, OK, you know, I can really do this. So we went on a journey and everything had to change. So the office, the branding, you know, the way that we do things, the way that we communicated in the market. So the first year at Vision was was very complex, a lot of recruitment, a lot of bringing in new people, new headcount. Uh, we moved from Holborn into our brand new offices in Tower 42. We designed all of those to be state-of-the-art offices with CPD training. We rebranded the company, so the, the V heart that you see now, that's something we brought in to be fresh in the market. So we really had a unique brand. And then we just communicated to everybody what made Vision really, really different and then try to approach the market in a very different way. Um, we've, of course, skipped over a little bit about your background, which is your uh, your background as a, as a, as a racing driver. Yeah. <laughs> Which you just kind of conveniently kind of skipped over. Which, which I, I mean, we're not going to spend a bit too on. But obviously, as a Formula One fan and uh, and a racing fan myself, I was kind of interested. And I wonder if there's anything that if there's kind of any kind of crossovers you can see from that interest in kind of and how you how you manage your kind of self as a racing driver and the mentality you need to do that and the kind of the, the, the kind of what it takes to be a racing driver as a and does that have an effect on what it takes to become a managing director? Of, of a business are there kind of crossovers that you see and what is there what does one feed into the other I think when you watch racing on the telly you you think oh my god that looked absolutely amazing and then when you start to get into it you realize actually how difficult and challenging racing is and how very similar it is to recruitment so one of the first things that kind of really scares me at first was pitching for companies to give me sponsorship that's so like, hey, you know, I'm a female racing driver. I might crash the car. You might have to pay for it to be repaired. But hey, you know, give me a chance. And that's something very similar to recruitment because people buy from people. And in essence, they buy from you. So it was the very similar crossover that 
if my clients in recruitment didn't like what I was saying, they wouldn't use me. And it was the same as my sponsors. If they didn't buy into me as a person, they wouldn't sponsor the car and see what potential I had. So I think there was lots of crossovers and both of them, both racing and recruitment helped me because one of the things that you need to have in recruitment is belief and confidence. And it's the same thing that you have in racing. You don't believe that you can do it. You're not going to do it. If you have fear about that apex or getting that little bit of speed up, just like in recruitment, closing or objection handling, you don't often get to the end of the journey that you need to get to. So there's a lot of similar parameters. And one of the most important things that you need to have in racing is that persistence as well. Um, And that's the same that you need to have in recruitment. You know, sometimes a client doesn't want to talk to you on the first time or the second time. But if you keep going and show them that you're genuine and you have something of offer to them, then often that relationship can come together. So the the two worlds are quite similar. Um, Obviously, racing is is very different and it comes with its risks as well as, as well as its excitement. And I was very lucky to be part of something called Formula Woman, which was the first ever racing league dedicated to women. Um, So we were racing catering Super 7s. And that gave me some confidence to do things that I had never imagined that I could do when people were laughing at me, when they were like, oh, my God, you think you're going to be a racing driver? And it was hilarious. Like, no one could see where it was coming from. But it was that determination to go, do you know what? I'm I'm going to prove you wrong. The first time I went out on the track, it was like a scene out of Talladega Nights. I honestly thought I was so fast and I was so slow. And it kind of, like, really overwhelmed me and scared me. And it wasn't something that came naturally to me. But I tried and I put everything into being able to do it. And actually, in my Formula Woman career, I got best endeavour, which would mean most improved in that year because I was really, really slow, but put me in the wet. Um, And, you know, I was rapid, uh, you know, some of the things I did in terms of overtaking. And it was very similar to recruitment, getting over that obstacles, that fear of asking for something and being afraid that you're going to be shut down or rejection. You just had to go for it. So it gave me a lot of belief in myself. And I think from that point, I could really see myself having management qualities, being able to push myself and also having positivity, belief that things go good and bad, but you've still got the ability to turn them around as well. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, um, it's, it's amazing and interesting and uh, insightful, just kind of, just a, that kind of how the two kind of match up, right? I mean, it is kind of, that uh, about understanding your limits, about understanding how to get, how to overcome the challenges, about how to kind of pick yourself up when you know you've had a crap day on the track and slash in the office. I can see all yeah. these kind of um, these these parallels. Um, talking about kind of challenges, obviously we are kind of talking in in March 2021, um, and I've known you for kind of almost about a year now, basically. Pre, yeah, yeah. Pre pre pandemic, I think we kind of pre pandemic, yeah. We we first met, so it would be kind of interesting to kind of understand what, how you managed that that kind of twenty twenty within vision and kind of because from the outside, it you know you look in and you think education must have been absolutely decimated from a recruitment perspective, but somehow your business has has, has come through that, um, and it would be interesting to kind of understand kind of how you did that and what you learned from 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 that 
So I have to honestly say that I never expected when the pandemic hit that schools were going to be shut for as long as they were. So it was also quite optimistic at the beginning that schools were going to reopen and we were going to find our way through. When we realised that wasn't going to happen, it was about then looking at the future and looking at what we were going to do. We'd been a company that traditionally had done a lot of supply um, and then all of that supply stopped. There wasn't a single supply booking from March pretty much through to, to July. So we had to completely reinvent some of the ways that we did things. And it's, at the start, that was really scary because we had to get candidates into schools that weren't allowed in schools to interview. Um, and we had to get clients that would never normally take a candidate on without seeing them face to face, but give them an opportunity for September. And for us, it was about going back to the drawing build and honing our skills and going, right, OK, to survive this pandemic, we've got to be different. We've got to be listening to our clients. We've got to be working harder with the candidates, finding that right match. And actually, it gave us a great opportunity to kind of maybe get out of that lazy supply a little bit where a school calls up in the morning and you know the name of the person to put through to it. But when a school calls for a long term or, you know, something more specialist, we really have to be top of our game to get that booking, to, to not let another agency fill it, to put the right candidate in there and make sure that they were happy. So we just went back to basics. We absolutely changed the way that we worked. We retrained everybody. We worked together. We had a meeting every morning, every afternoon. We were positive. We kept the team spirit going. We kept this fun going. We celebrated every success that like you wouldn't believe. Like getting a vacancy in at the beginning was like the holy grail. It was like, oh my God, we've done it. We've got a vacancy in. A school wants to use us. And then, oh my God, we've got an interview. And then when we started filling the first September placements, we realized that we could do it. And that gave us belief to carry on. And I can't quite believe that a year on, we've been able to... Sorry. It's, it's, it's fine, carry on. <laughs> um, we, a year on, I'm, I'm absolutely thrilled to say that our business has increased by 25%, even though our normal revenue margins in terms of supply have decreased by about 70%. So it is that we just decided to do something very, very different in the market. Hmm. Uh, and we looked at, you know, trying to look after our clients' needs, putting them first, talking the same language that they were talking. And... I have to say, probably when other agencies were, you know, concerned with other things, we'd focused on on other areas. And one of the things I'm really, really proud to say is that, you know, in the autumn term, we raised a lot of money for the Felix Project. We we raised a lot of money for food parcels and food packages around London for families. And then come January, we raised over £50,000 for the Digital Divide. So when everyone else was in lockdown, and schools weren't open and there was no supply, we changed our tact and we did everything that we possibly could to raise money and help schools. And we really worked with those communities. You know, we came down to them in lockdown, giving them laptops. We provided like families who'd been struck down by cancer, domestic abuse, um, all kinds of horrendous circumstances with the ability for their children to carry on learning. And that all gave us a massive boost absolutely massive boost and the schools the feedback that we got from schools about what they thought about us in a lockdown and how we how we changed because it wasn't about sales at all you know we it was all about charity it was all about putting our own time resources and money into making a difference 
but it allowed us to stay connected to our candidates and our schools in a time where it could have been very, very different for us as well. And as a result of that, we rebounded um, out of lockdown and we did a personal best in terms of the company within two weeks out of lockdown after we've been established for 14 years. So it just goes to show kind of the strength of relationships. We stay connected to our schools um, and they really valued what we do. And I think that was a big factor in terms of our success this year. And I think, um, I know um, Thinking Circles has been a little bit involved with the device appeal, but it's obviously one of those things that's, that's, that's relevant and engaging and connecting to your, to your, kind of, to your schools and to, and to their pupils. And it kind of hits the right message and right tone as well. I think that's what maybe kind of put you, you know, gave you that little bit of an edge. It kind of definitely, I mean, there's, you know, from a commercial point of view, it's never going to help to, it's always ha- ha- good to kind of keep in contact with, with the businesses that you want to kind of talk to. But also it was definitely, it was such a positive message in a time when it all was pretty much, it was pretty shit, to be honest. Um, yeah. And it was just kind of nice glimmer of hope, you know. And it was, and the, the way that people responded from the marketing was amazing because we were calling schools, but of course they're in national lockdown. They've got children, they're busy, they're trying to do homeschooling and being at school. You know, those messages and those phone calls weren't always met, but the responses we got from the emails, which was, you want to help our school right now to get a laptop for a child when, you know, the DFE can't help us. We've got no fundraising ability to help them and you want to do that for us was just tremendous and some of the responses we get were truly truly heartwarming Um, and we wouldn't have been able to get that message out on such a wide scale had we not been able to market out so effectively and we also got our candidate support as well because our candidates were helping us you know they were donating money to help they were donating their time their devices to get them recycled So, and that communication came through marketing as well. So we were really, really grateful to have that marketing communication. And had we not had that marketing campaign, you know, lockdown, life after lockdown could have been very different for us. Um, And this kind of re-engineering and transformation of the business that you kind of went through uh, and refocused the business in in 2020, is is that now the business for 2021 and beyond? Or do you see you kind of reverting back or bringing in some of how you used to work what do you see the kind of next two or three years kind of looking like so I imagine the next couple of years we're going to kind of come across three things we're going to have an uh, like a different kind of market for candidates and because last year NQTs weren't placed um And therefore, there's like a a bit of a strange market where that recruitment last year didn't happen, but there's still a lot of teachers and candidates on the market. So we're going to find ourselves in a a kind of really candidate strong market where schools are going to be trying to get candidates. We're going to be trying to represent them and so are other agencies. So I imagine our competition is going to be stretched quite a lot. Schools budgets. Uh, have been negatively affected in the last year as well. So some of the ways that they're looking to cut back is staffing. And so we need to be at the kind of pinnacle of being able to help them and seeing that we're an asset to make their budget go further than being like, I'm not going to use an agency because of that budget. Um, And third thing is, I think digital advances in the market are 
going to come along. And I think the next couple of years, just like you've seen with the NHS, there may be some further advances in terms of the way that the education market goes a bit more digital. And I think the face-to-face and the personal touch of agencies is going to have to really adapt to that market and embrace it and be able to find that hybrid to go forward. And and what do you think, how do you think vision teaching is going to kind of kind of fit in fit into that you know is there one thing that you're going to kind of really concentrate on you know try and do everything are you just going to um, is it going to be a much more kind of digital first kind of kind of vision teaching that we're going to see how do you see that what will kind of um how do you see vision in that mix well we've always been an agency that prides ourselves on that personal touch so it's about how we can manage that personal touch with that digital response and i do think in this day and age you know, in terms of candidates, there's a lot of digitalization that can be done in terms of getting a candidate to see a job quicker. Um, and I think that's what we're going to see. And also in terms of schools and how they manage their recruitment as well. But I don't think that phoning up and speaking to someone is ever going to be replaced in the next couple of years, particularly when a school wants to speak to an agency like we really need a science teacher, but this is our problem. This is the personality we're looking for. These are the problems in the class. Can you help me? It's sometimes very difficult to get that down in a job advert. And it's why, you know, we really do pride ourselves on finding that perfect match of candidates. So we're going to try and enhance our recruitment process, but we're also going to be working with schools again to manage that digital divide to provide them with as much resources as we can. Um, And for September, we're giving away £10,000 worth of resources for schools because we understand that their budgets are still stretched and we want to be here to support them. So we're very much going to work in the communities that have supported us through lockdown as well. Um, uh, One last kind of question before we kind of wrap up is on a couple of occasions you've mentioned how strong you the vision teaching brand is and your background in marketing. Uh, what how how important and what's the the position that marketing plays at vision teaching you know where, how how important is it where does it kind of sit in the hierarchy and um do you think you do anything with regards to your marketing that's a little bit different and better than possibly your competitors we everything is led with marketing in the company so we develop all of our strategies from marketing And we look at our communication strategies as well. So I think having a marketing background makes me think about things differently because I always think, how are we going to communicate that? How are we going to get that out? What is the point of of doing that? You know, how is that going to benefit our candidates? How is that going to benefit our schools? So everything starts with a marketing strategy and a marketing idea, which is the same as my degree, really. You'd maybe have a problem and you'd find a solution or you come up with an idea and then you try and work out how that could support the goals of the company. So we we find marketing very, very important. Um, and the people at Vision Teaching, all of the guys now, are so used to having a marketing campaign to get behind something that if we just went, hey, we're doing this today, but we didn't have a marketing campaign, they'd probably find it quite eerie. And obviously then we lead with it on social media and we connect everything up to the goals of the company. So we would say, right, we're going to be supporting communities in terms of laptops. And this is what we want to achieve. And this is one of our core values of supporting our communities. This is how it links in together. And this is how we're going to market it out to schools. So it's very, very important that we link our marketing up to our core values. 
Um, but that's what's made us, I think, as successful as we have, and that's what we're going to continue doing. Um, fantastic. Uh, thank you very much, Romilly, for, for joining me today. Um, okay. We'll include all of your details in the show notes if anybody was, does want to reach out and know a little bit more. Uh, but for now, thank you very much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. And don't forget, you can subscribe to the Marketing Rules podcast on Apple, Spotify, and all other major podcasting platforms. I've been your host, James Whitelock, and I hope you can join me and more amazing guests next time. The Marketing Rules Podcast is a Thinking Circles production.